Welcome everybody to the fifth, right? Because I got it wrong before. There are five Black History Month uh, podcasts this year. Um, and thank you for correcting me last time, Jamisa. Mm-hmm. Em- embarrassing me about trying to minimize Black History Month. You know how fragile us white people are. I feel like I managed my emotions and discomfort well in that situation. Yeah, I feel like the the extra day in the leap year really messes with white people. So, Amin, I have a riddle for you. Oh, no. What is the difference between a well-dressed man on a two-wheeled bicycle and a poorly-dressed man on a unicycle? Uh, I have no idea. The difference is attire. <laughs> so bad. Come on, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. All right. So how's uh, Black History Month going for everyone? It's a tough one. It's a tough year. I was about to make some jokes and then realized when you were being serious and sincere to me so that now was not the time Mm-mm. so I mean I've been studying the social detective books for kids with autism but I also find them quite helpful and so I was reading Jamisa's facial expressions and recognizing that there was not much humor there and so decided mm. not to make jokes yeah I'm not sure what that means learn. but okay you don't remember the social detective books? No. For kids with autism that the psychologist recommended for our son? Um, yeah. Okay. And you look for social clues, and I solved the mystery. Humor was not appropriate. Mm. I don't think Jamisa's is having any of this today. I mean, Mm-mm. I'm trying Can't to just sure. like live today. Are you not feeling well? No. Nah. What are, the sim- what are the symptoms Amin dropped out of med school? He might be able to halfway diagnose it. <laughs> I got some uh, over-the-counter pharmaceuticals. Mm. Under-the-counter. Whatever I'm sick of Amin just uh, tells me to rub some dirt on it. That's a I pretty know that would help. Mm. So, Jamisa, were you saying you would like to skip all the frivolity and dive into the seriousness? Yeah, let's just do it. All right. My head is in a vice. So let's do that. Let me put on my serious podcast face. Mm-hmm. I am ready. Quite serious. Oh, and that's a good time to mention that um, if you want to see my serious podcast face, you have to watch us on YouTube. And uh, that way, the trolls on the social media and stop making fun of us for only having three views on our YouTube channel. <laughs> All the support we can get. Those trolls are ferocious this time of year. All right, back to my serious podcast face. Who's going to go first? Do what? Who's going to go first? And I mean, what do you have? I wanted to talk about what you mentioned, uh, Jamisa, the guy that self-emulated mm-hmm. uh, in D.C. this past week in mm-hmm. an act of protest against what is happening in Gaza uh, right now. 
So it means during Black History Month, you're going to steal Jamisa's story and then act like you get credit for it. Oh, no, this is there's so much. There's so many layers to this. I think that we we can share this one. I mean, there we go. So what are your tell thoughts, me what you please? wanted to discuss about it. It's crazy. It's crazy that all these uh, protests have been happening, what, uh, for four or five months now, and there still hasn't been a ceasefire. Uh, the death tolls are in the tens of thousands, uh, predominantly kids and, and women that are dying there. It's, I mean, uh, it's a lot. And I think it's a lot for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. this kind of was not a punctuation point because I don't think anything is over, but it was kind of a, I don't know, something that really stated how people feel about what's happening right now. I think, I think that's a really good sum up. Like, I think it really does. And, and as a fortunate as this is, like, I think it really does state how people, how people feel. Um, I was thinking about this this morning, like there's so many layers, right? I was looking at just different news outlets and they were just talking about like, yeah, I think they just summed it up like, oh, this is a mental health issue. Or, you know, they summed it up with like, you need to call the suicide hotline. And all those things are, you know, the suicide thing. I get that about like, you know, making people aware about like suicide hotlines. And if you feel that you're suicidal, but I think there can be different truths to all of this that, I, we don't know what his mental state was. I know they said there was nothing documented, but then let's not overlook the fact that like he had a, like, did you watch the video of him walking up to that building? I mean, so he was on live. I didn't watch where he actually like, um, he lit the match, but he talked about like this. He's like, you know, he cannot be complicit in genocide any longer. Um, he's like, he can't, like, he cannot continue to watch. And I know I am doing a terrible job paraphrasing, uh, just here paraphrasing, but he just can't continue to see these things. And like, no one, no one does anything. And he's in the, he's an active member in the U S air force. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And didn't he pass away this morning? Uh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Sunday morning, um, mm-hmm. or Sunday afternoon that he passed away. Um, and so you didn't see, so there was an audio, I didn't see the video. Um, I could not bear to watch that, but I did hear the audio. Did you hear the audio? I, mean, I avoided the actual avoided. hearing and watching it. Yeah. But I read about um, it. it was, that was difficult to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he was just, he was just saying, um, you know, free Palestine as he, as he let the, lit himself on fire. This, this mental health issue thing's an interesting angle Mm -hmm. because i remember when there was a couple of monks during the vietnam war Mm -hmm. who used immolation to process i mean typically buddhist monks are some of the most mentally healthy among all of us Mm -hmm. and you almost wonder if it's kind of a tactic right to say people who feel this strongly about the war are not in their right mind yeah that you sum it up that he has a mental health issue Mm -hmm. rather than we as a country are engaging in such um, destructive and dehumanizing behavior mm-hmm. that this is people trying to bring our attention to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had a post and I wish I can pull it up. Um, and this is like a few days before this happened. And he's like, you know, when, if we were, I think it's similar to someone else who said, like, if we were around during apartheid, during slavery, what will we be doing? And he's like, the exact same thing people are doing now, which is nothing. 
Yeah. If it was apartheid, though, Jamisa, you and I would probably be doing it from different parts of the town. True. Yeah. So yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, I hate the fact that they sum it up. But there, there again, there are varying levels to this, right? So you have this happening, and then you have that the picture that has gone viral of the officer who is fucking pulling has a gun pulled out. Like, what are you gonna do? And so people thought that it was they were saying, oh, it was an Israeli officer, but it wasn't. He was part of um, what is it, Capitol Police or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Like he was actually kind of sum up law enforcement. Yes, it sums up law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know what to do. Let's pull a gun on this situation. Like what are you going to do at that point? And they, like you can't even justify that. Like they were trying to justify it with like you know, um, it was you know didn't know what was happening. It was an unstable situation. Like you clearly see what's happening. Like you have your other officers who were there with a fire extinguisher, and you proceed to pull a gun out. Like what? So I mean, Jamisa gives me a hard time because. Should I receive any alone time at any point in the day, I may put on a European uh, detective show. And so last night she's like, what is it about these shows that you like? And I said, I just find it so refreshing to watch Sane Police. (laughs) Sane? Yeah, like, and I know it's (laughs) a dramatization, Mm -hmm. but I just love that they have to call in the police with the guns. Like, that's a special department in all of these different kind of European police forces. That it's just not normal to pull out a gun whenever there's a situation. And the amount of de-escalation they do. And I don't know how to explain that, but I think I've become a bit traumatized in America. And this is where Jamisa rolls her eyes and they're going to be like, you feel traumatized. Imagine what it's like for me. But it's like this idea of I'm not okay with how we police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I spent my whole career working with law enforcement, working with the criminal justice system, and everything is about control. And I think yeah. everything that we all know about the brain tells us, hey, did you mean to put herself on a pedestal here? Is she risen above no, us all? I, <laughs> she I, got taller. I, I moved my screen. You can move your screen up too. Mm-hmm. But everything that they are taught is about control. And so when we do trainings with law enforcement and we ask them about this, they say that number one priority is always to be in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that just creates de- that just creates escalation. Whenever you try to control another individual, they escalate. Well, then let's think, go back to this particular thing with Aaron, um, which knows that, yeah, controlling the situation is doing exactly what the other officers did, was using a fire mm-hmm. extinguisher. To help this man, what kind of control do you have of like pulling a gun out? And why, you know, it's like this is the incompetence of like this is how simple our police force is. Like the simplicity of like, like you go in, and I'm guessing, like, you know, to a training to be trained as law enforcement and whatever varying levels they have. And the one thing they're like, pull a gun out, regardless of the situation. Pull your gun out. Like, why would that be your knee-jerk reaction to that situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, it's complete incompetence. Like, I think they thrive on incompetence. Mm-hmm. Let's get the people that we can most bend their mind. They don't use critical thinking. And like, you know, we'll put them in law enforcement. Like, they should be able to be, be the ones that's going to be able to pass whatever tests they need to pass 
to become mm-hmm. law enforcement officers. And then that officer is at one of the highest levels. Mm-hmm. And I I challenge some of that. Like, So I think in America, we always like to look at quote unquote individual responsibility, which I think is a myth. And one of the ways that I think it's a myth is that we hold individual officers accountable when we see systemic problems. And mm-hmm. so... I think this is part of that kind of individualization, individual responsibility myth. So an officer is trained in a certain way. They're trained to kind of be hyper in control, to have their F3, their fight, flight, freeze, just way activated. And then they get um, put into situations where they're not equipped to handle those situations well. And rather than us holding the whole system accountable and saying, we need to train officers differently. We need more community policing. We need much more de-escalation. We need much more emphasis on how the brain works and how to work with people in these critical situations. We tend to keep training people the same way, expect different results, and prosecute, you know, what is it, like 2% of all officer shootings get prosecuted or something mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the, I think challenges with individual responsibility and the myth of individual responsibility is you never really get to change the system. And I think that's why it's perpetuated so mm-hmm. that large organizations or bureaucracies or structures never have to change because they can say it was John's fault. Yeah. There's a great well, I see it a little different. Go ahead. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with both of you. And I think it's a combination of both of what you're saying. Cause uh, when we talk about their training, there's almost none. <laughs> like it's barely any training to begin with for all these high stress situations that would require a lot. And then on the other side, there is, and we've talked about this a little bit uh, in general, where that there's that American uh, superiority complex, or right? we're all heroes and we're all going to do the thing and whatever. And some people take their moment to shine, right? To I want to be the guy that pulled out the gun and shot the guy, the bad guy, and be the hero and be whatever. And so they're, you know, trigger happy with this stuff. And so, yeah, they're not trained. They want to do that. And then also, I just feel like this country's so numb to guns. He might have pointed that gun and not really realized one wrong click and that other person's dead. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're Mm -hmm. so numb to it because we've normalized guns so much in this country. You go anywhere else, someone sees a gun, everyone's nervous. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't matter what country. Here you have people walking around talking about all the different bullets they have, you know, all this ridiculous stuff that we've normalized uh, that just doesn't make sense. And I always think back to kind of like Japanese culture with like how they used to honor samurais and the swords and stuff where they respected as, hey, this thing can do a lot of damage, right? And you don't just pull this sword out on anybody and you, you know, when you pull it out, it has to be very clear intentions what you're going to do with the sword, right? And in this country, we don't have that. It's, hey, your guns are everything. Yeah. And, you know, protecting yourself and you need to protect yourself and you need to be the hero. Even when they talk about the school shootings, they're like, well, just train the teachers. Like one of these teachers are going to be James Bond and, you know, know exactly what to do in that moment and shoot down the assailant instead of just finding, like you said, systemic solutions to these issues. So yeah, it's, a, it's really complex. And so I think we I have to... Uh oh. Go ahead. <laughs> We're about to talk over each other. Um, I feel like the other eleven months out of the year I get to talk over you. So how about you go ahead? I was gonna talk about um 
And even from like a mental uh, a mental health perspective, you talked about their F three is constantly like they 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 are trained to like be in that in in their F three right fight flight freeze. But when that happens, like it's such a knee jerk reaction. No one thinks about that. And there's no coping mechanism. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing that lets a person, like if you are in the midst of like your fight, flight, freeze in that moment, and it's not a really long time, but in that moment, there is nothing that's going to be like, you know what? I probably shouldn't pull my gun out right now. Like, you know, and it's like, why do we not train, like you said, police officers, not just the mental health of like the people that they're going to encounter, but their own mental health and what that looks like for them when they are triggered, when their stress levels are triggered, when their anxieties are triggered. Do they have a um, hair triggered anxiety response to things, you know, and like, how then do you, where do you put that person? Because if you have someone that the moment they hear something, their fight, flight, freeze immediately goes up, they probably don't need to be in the field in these dangerous situations. Like think about DV situations and all these other things that are just high stress, um, where the death rate of going into situations like that are incredibly high. And they're not trained to think about it from that perspective, from the, like you just said, Ben, like from the brain's, brain's perspective, like what happens with the brain. This makes me think about my dance moves because, as we all know, they're incredibly dangerous. And so I don't just pull out my dance moves at any occasion oh God. because people can get seriously hurt. And uh, maybe much like a mean samurai sword, I have to be very intentional at who's present, who could be exposed to my dance moves and the effect my dance moves could have on people. Um, there was a, a post today, yesterday, on about my last, dance moves? last night on TikTok about Aaron and about like what, cause I think, you know, there's so many, there's so many videos out about, um, what took place in comments. And he was like, you know, we as Americans need to stop trying to rationalize this, not trying to like come up with a solution or an answer and just sit with it. He said like, that discomfort that we had from like people talking about it, or if you heard the audio, um, if you unfortunately had, you know, if you saw the video, like, like sometimes he's like, he's like, I feel like people are going to, you know, all this week and next week going to end up at their therapist's office. Like, I just need to process this. And he's like, hopefully people will just be like, no, you just need to sit, like sit with those feelings because we don't want to have those feelings. And I think it's easier for us, at least in America to say, you know, what, it was just a mental health issue. He had mental health issues because then that'll make us all feel better versus, no, this was incredibly uncomfortable. Like I, I, so many feelings came up yesterday or last night for me. I think just looking at posts and listening to the audio and like just even learning about the, about this young man um, and just being able to just be there with that and not doing anything about it. I don't need to, to rationalize it. I don't need to be like, you know, all these other things that people are doing to make themselves feel okay. And it's I think that's what I've been saying at the beginning since October 7th, though. I'm giving a pregnant pause to make sure you've completed that sentence. Okay. Is it me or is it mean glowing today? <laughs> I mean, what Maybe. are you using on your uh, skin these days? It is looking radiant. I mean, it's I got that. a lot to share. <sighs> oh, God. Is it goat urine again? I, I moved off of that one. That's 
<laughs> Never mind. Jimmy's remember we had goats and they'd pee on their beards when they were ready to mate? No. Ah. Mm-mm. Well, I, wasn't, I was not trying to hang out with the farm animals like that. Um, <laughs> I tried to recreate some of that romance in my relationship with Jamisa back when I had a long beard and it was oh, man. freaking disgusting. This is not helping me out with feeling any better. So I know something that'll make you feel better. Donald Trump. Mm. <laughs> Jamisa, don't you now feel like you're on team Trump now that he knows what it's like to be wrongly per- persecuted in America? Like too? a black person. Mm-hmm. So you know what's fascinating about this? There's so many great takeaways from this. One of them that I saw that I really appreciated were people saying, so he admits there's racial disparities in America? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's always saying there isn't. And then all of a sudden it became convenient for him to say, oh, yeah, there mm. is. Wait until next week. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the blatant racism <laughs> in the in the comments. Um and just how normalized this is. Like mm-hmm. he knows if he just repeats racist comments continually, we can normalize this blatant racism. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What about your buddy Byron down in Florida? Who? I have no idea what you're talking about. You're probably just blocking him out. He's one of those hey. uh uh, Trump surrogates, a member of the black community, um, who probably has had his card revoked by now. But, uh, <laughs> There's something I literally, I've, I'm so lost. I have no idea what you're talking. He's about. a politician who always comes out in defense of Donald Trump, uh, and says, "You know, this isn't really racist. He's speaking the truth here." So what did he say? He talked about the indictment, but he said, "Oh, he said that he couldn't see anyone in the room because the lights were so bright, just the blacks, the blacks." That's what he, he said. put an emphasis on that B, yeah. But in his defense, I use the I same language when people ask who I'm bringing with me to a party. So, like, if you and the kids are coming, I say it's me and. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Look at that. I, I heeded the social cue. The mm-hmm. social detective in me kicked in. And I recognized I was crossing a boundary. But did we talk about this last <laughs> week about the people on Fox that wait, wait, were... Do you think Donald Trump just needs the social detective books? He needs more than that. Hmm. So there was that. There's the IVF stuff that got pulled up into that whole conversation. Well, of course. Your, I mean, huh? as a medical school dropout, what's your take on that? I'm still waiting for you to interject I mean, and be like, I did not drop out. <laughs> no, it's okay. I've come to grips with it. Um, I, I missed this story, though. What happened with this? IVF. So in yeah, Alabama, the Supreme Court said that the embryos should be treated as human life and given all the same rights. The frozen embryos, sorry. Ah, interesting. Interesting. I wonder when this country will start treating human life like human life, and then we could really start talking. Um, I mean, this is yeah. no time for one-liners. And in their closing arguments, they quoted the Bible in support of mm-hmm. their decision. I mean, the Bible does have many verses on the human embryos that are frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. You know, it's very specific. Cryogenics uh, in general. Not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thou shall, not shall not destroy frozen. frozen embryos for IVF because, you know, all that technology was going on back then. And then on top of that... Or a- Mm-hmm. Well, you have uh, Senator Hawley's state 
that has um, upheld that divorce cannot happen while the mother is pregnant, even if she's in an abusive situation. What state is this? It's one of those that begin with M. (laughs) Arizona, maybe. Arizona? Don't that begin with M? Um, I think that's it's Missouri. crazy, though. It's you like Missouri, Missouri or something like Missouri. that. Nebraska, maybe. Yeah. So they, and so this was, and this is a law that was just passed. No, it's been there, but like people brought it to their attention, like, "Hey, this law exists. Mm-hmm. We uh, should change it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it." Like it creates so much risk for women and the babies they're carrying. And it's part of this whole kind of alpha male evangelical Christian movement to enthrone the white man into mm-hmm. a position of power where he gets to dictate who comes into his life, who leads his life, who he has to be around, and just this complete intolerance um, for everyone else and probably for themselves too. Like mm-hmm. half of them are probably toe tapping in the airport bathroom anyway. Um, <laughs> But don't you feel like we are, like, things are just becoming more and more restrictive? Wait, I got another one. The pastor, about 40 miles from where we're recording, who talked about he sat in the parking lot at the mall and counted the number of women who wear shorts these days. And (laughs) he used to talk about this stuff all the time, but he hasn't talked about it for a while, but... His emotions have grown so strong and God has has put some words into his heart that he felt the need to share with his congregation that if any of those women were R-A-P-E-D and he was on the jury, he would not find the man guilty because if a woman's wearing shorts, then men are only going to be men. Just 40 miles from here. Mm -hmm. How is he allowed to walk around free? Like I feel like that's... Insane. Oh, and did you know that they there's actually a really big church? They have they have a private school on the campus. And I, I think, bet they got school uniforms. I think last year they almost got like it was nine hundred something thousand dollars from the government to fund this school. Mm. And so it it's part of this kind of whole even when Trump was bragging about what he would do to women, it's part of this like whole movement of it's okay that, that men engage in violent behaviors because they're emotionally inept and they have no emotional regulation. But at the same time, they're also the most brilliant of the genders. <laughs> like it, It's this bizarre dissonance that says men are completely uncontrolled and emotional and dysregulated, but at the same time, they're the ones we should trust to run our country. So let's just get rid of men being in charge of anything. It works. That's craziness. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you said that. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe it because, yeah, it's on brand. But at the same time that people are walking around, like you said, in positions of power and just blatantly saying this stuff. It, yeah, it seems like... uh I don't know. I don't know you where know, to start with something like this. 
they're the same people too, right? Who are then going to cut to um, some imam in the Middle East saying something similar. And they're going to be like, see, they got no freedoms over there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, yeah. uh, buddy, yeah. did you just hear yourself on Sunday? Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that pisses me off about my people is no one like went up there and shoved the mic up his ass or anything. No, they probably, the congregation I'm sure was full. That was last weekend, probably this past Sunday. Well, he mentioned like he, he was saying like, oh, you guys didn't like that. No one stopped him. Like, so as white people, we are so comfortable not getting engaged. Mm-hmm. Remember, Jamisa, when uh, I was in court that one time and everyone had decided before we went into court that we were going to mention to the judge about a community service project he had in mind that was completely racially insensitive. Mm-hmm. And so the judge starts talking about this project and his excitement for it. So I, I speak up and I say, hey, oh, it was a shit show after that. And I look around at the other white people who had said we're going to talk to the judge about this. And they were like, ah, I don't know what Ben's talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems like a great project to me, Your Honor. And then I got kicked out of court for a couple of months. Yep, I absolutely remember that. As a matter of fact, you've been spoken to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then the other people had to like, they went and smoothed it over with the judge. Mm-hmm. You know, about Ben is a, you know, he's going to speak his mind. All this, you know, making excuses for him. I don't like the power imbalance with your height. It's not that it really is. I just moved my screen up. You can move your screen up as well. It won't do it. Um. Look. <laughs> look at that. Look at you. It was oh, about I mean, to happen. What about you? Uh-huh. We're following your lead, Jamisa. Hmm. We've grown. No, but I think Jamisa moved hers up a little more. I didn't touch it. So anyway. You might just have better posture. Probably. <laughs> Between the two of you. So those are all the kind of, not all, those are some of the headlines that we're highlighting during Black History Month. But there is a silver lining, right? So um, I did a post on Friday, maybe? Or was it Saturday? Mm-hmm. I don't remember which one. One of the two. And I said, hey, um, to all the blacks. Is that what I said, Jamisa? You didn't, because that just sounds so bad. I said, dear black people. That sounds better, doesn't it? Okay. Dear. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. Um, let me look it up. You're such an asshole. So I said, tell us what you would like white people to do differently. And I would like all listeners who are interested in making the world a safer place for people of the global majority to go check out those responses. And I think we're going to mm-hmm. go over a few, right? Because mm-hmm. um, the response from the black community was amazing. Like mm-hmm. last time I saw it, we had maybe, how many comments me? Uh, Almost 1,500. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all like really helpful information. The last comment I saw and the comment that I'm going to start with is a lady saying, where are the white people at? classic Mm -hmm. she was like these white people aren't even joining this conversation Mm -hmm. she's like why is it when we do start opening up and sharing the help i'm i'm sorry the amazon dude is on a serious dog's going crazy why is the amazon dude barking the dog's going crazy that makes a lot more sense so um 
that was the comment that was one of the comments that stuck with me and that goes back to everything we were just talking about is how silent white people are willing to be mm-hmm. when we get uncomfortable we just don't want to speak up for fear of um looking out of turn out of place losing our social appropriateness card yeah and this is why i think white people with autism need to lead the way I love this. Someone's like, boy, this guy really asking for it. What does that mean? Yeah, that was the one white person who decided to comment. <laughs> That's and just one was like, what exactly is he asking for? Classic. Mm-hmm. What do you really mean by that? Aren't you being in turn a little bit racist yourself? Yeah, get lots of those. So what were some of the comments that stuck out to you that you, um, Jamisa, and you, I mean, is kind of darkish, would like the uh, white community to hear? Let's see. Uh, we're, I like this one. We're a diverse group. Knowing one of us is not knowing Wait, all I mean, still laughing. Oh. <laughs> all right, I'm good. I'm good. Sorry. And that, that actually got over. That was I'm like 14. They got 1,400 likes. You did? Let me say it over again. Um, it says we're a diverse group. Knowing one of us is not knowing all of us. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, the black friend card. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's a good one. Why did that why did that speak to you? It's exactly what I mean just said. Like just because you met me or another person of color, like this it's like this generalization that all people, black people act the same. But that's what media has given us. That's what society has taught. Like all black people do the exact same thing. And we're such a diverse group. There's another comment on here and I have wait, to wait, scroll. wait, but but may I push back a little bit? No, go on. Don't all black people enjoy the use of a washcloth? For the most part. Okay. So there are some commonalities. You use a washcloth. Because I know my envelopian friends are very reluctant to use a washcloth. Don't really any cleanliness standards. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we end up smelling like some wet dogs. Um, Don't all black people enjoy Anthony Hamilton's music? No. Oh, come on now. Anthony Hamilton? (sighs) All my stereotypes are being broken apart. Go ahead. And all black people don't use a washcloth. Some black people use other cleaning things. Why Clearly did you, you say that so bizarrely? You you verbalize that like I would. Because you do. Mm. Use uh, you use something other than your hand. A sponge. What do you use? A I mean, to, a sponge, a loofah. You dumb dumb. Mm-hmm. What do you use to wash that radiant skin of yours? I mean, washcloth, of course. Mm. What's wrong with you? So people of the global majority really have quite the alliance going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who washes? Or we survived the bubonic plague. We <laughs> wash their hands. This disease is ravaging our society. The solution: wash your hands after you take a shit. That's all it is. <laughs> not not wow. a lot. Of, not hard. And then there's watch us in England, like we can't figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking a dump. We're eating with our hands. And this thing just keeps getting passed on and on. <laughs> Definitely disease. <laughs> um, so that's the one that spoke to you, huh, Jamisa? There's another one. I got to find it. Um, and I, already, I think she, this, oh, here it is. Black people 
would really appreciate if white people would stop calling the police when black people are driving, riding their bike, skating, running, walking, mean, skating, dancing, I sitting, stopping, like... looking, breathing, living. <laughs> I feel like I've apologized for all the times I've called the police on you and the kids. <laughs> How was I meant to know in our white neighborhood that you were not doing some harm? Oh my God. It's so crazy, right? Like the looks I think that I get sometimes in a neighborhood, especially if I'm walking our Great Dane and they're just like, what the hell? This lady does not live here. But then she had this big ass dog with her too. So now she's aggressive. Hmm? I normally get to the nine and then the one. And then right before I hit the last one, I realize you're my wife. I can't. And my F3 dies back down again and I, I slow down. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Because it would be quite embarrassing, right? If you called the police and they got your address and then they find me. And I'm like, I'm going to the same address. One time I was on the phone with the police and uh, letting them know about a black adult who was menacing the neighborhood only to realize it was our seven-year-old. Um, but, you know, when he's wearing a hoodie, it's very oh difficult to distinguish him. Oh, God, I'm done. All right. That poor kid. But that was the comments, right? Is like, don't talk about our kids as being adults. Mm-hmm. True. Yep. And then the whole story about how we humanize white people until they're like age 30 or 40. Mm-hmm. But as soon as black people reach the age of like seven or eight, they're suddenly adults fully responsible for their decisions and regulating their emotions. And I think that's a pattern that I'm becoming more and more aware of is we don't give white people any responsibility for managing their emotions, but yet we start expecting like four-year-old black boys to regulate their emotions mm-hmm. when a 50-year-old yep. white person can't. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, what we were some of your favorite the comments? News headlines. What'd you say? Oh, uh, before I get into that, uh, yeah, we talked about news headlines too, right? Where it would be like seven-year-old boy when they're talking mm-hmm. about like a white kid and then 12-year-old black male right mm-hmm. where it completely avoids the fact that the kid's 12 and what happened is probably not exactly what this headline's about to portray and the picture is going to be menacing versus whatever else uh, it could be so yeah it's a lot of dehumanizing that we see all the time uh but yeah a good comment i found was by tmc1601 and it's on brand with what we talked about is to have the courage to speak up and out in circles where they're not present your silence is an endorsement pushback in every instance. I thought that was kind of nice. Uh, is this like how you tell racist jokes when Jamisa's is not around? I mean, I do not do anything. Jamisa, don't listen to him. He's a liar. This man is a liar. Well, we know Ben may likely be the one saying some ignorant stuff. So what I thought was mm-hmm. interesting, and this isn't an individual comment. It's like this created a one-stop shop for white people who are interested to go and like almost eavesdrop mm-hmm. on a conversation between black people. And so I've got a white friend, first of all, thank you. Um, Such a token white friend. Mm-hmm, who is head of um, human resources for a fairly large company. And he took all those comments and put them into an Excel sheet so that he could look at patterns in them and learn from them. And Hmm. he's all into maths and numbers, and that's how his brain operates. And he was talking about how he could share that with his employees um, in meaningful ways. And so I thought that was really nice, too. Like, 
for those of you who are listening who are white and have made it this far through the episode, um, you have this one-stop shop that you can go just look at these comments, taking a comment a day and apply it to your life so mm-hmm. that you can become a safer place. Um, There's such rich comments. Um, there were some people that had like, my sentences. had like a couple paragraphs under there. Um, it was really, it's just really nice to see. Um, I think it was Friday, that, right? Because Friday night we were with a friend and we just kind of went through reading them. I think in that level of engagement, because a lot of times people look at those things and be like, uh, oh, whatever. Uh, but then to go in and just comment or, I mean, clearly people were reading the comments, maybe if they didn't comment themselves, because like I told you, one of the, the one that I told you about, like one black person, I mean, you know, every black person, they had 1400 likes. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, so you haven't commented on my subtext yet. <laughs> it's not the day. You don't love me today? I don't know if I love a lot of people today. Well, maybe getting under back under the covers would be that. Hmm. Who's picking the kids up, by the way? I don't know. I do not feel good. I'm guessing it's me. And I got I have a meeting after this, so all right. So how long I stay in that one? So as we bring the episode to an end, so Jamisa can get back under the covers while I'm not at home. This sounds a little suspicious, but um we encourage all of you to go. That was on Instagram at Ben the Curious. It's about six posts ago. It was last Friday. And just read through some of the 1,500 comments um, to get a sense of some really easy shifts you can make in your life to make the world an easier place to live in for mm-hmm. other people. Absolutely. And to all the people saying that I could improve the world by losing weight. Thank you for your feedback. Did you get those comments? I get so much of that kind of stuff. It's difficult when you're built like a Greek god. People just try to bring you down, you know? Oh, God. That's fair. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're used to some of this too, I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The sad part is, is when I track the accounts and realize most of them belong to my wife. (laughs) That's when I really start to tear up a little bit. Jimmy says burner accounts. Mm-hmm. And another thing. User one two five five eight. <laughs> Do the dishes, asshole. <laughs> Maga hey. wins six nine. <laughs> so, like we said, we're now on YouTube, so you can watch all our facial expressions along with um my words. Be warned, I am incredibly handsome. Um, some people just not ready for that. So mm. keep that in mind. And uh, it is hard to comprehend. Moving mm-hmm. into March next week, mm-hmm. I finally can stop being kind to Jamisa, which will be nice. And uh, we're moving back into the 11 uh, white history months, which is a refresh won't. change. You're a, you, you won't. You're a minority in this podcast. So. So in March, we have our first guest, um, and we have some guests lined up, one a month for a number of months, mm-hmm. and they're going to focus on their profession and how to decenter whiteness or their challenges with whiteness within their professions. So I'm excited about that, too. Mm-hmm. Sounds like this fun. Is, this is my excited face. I've been practicing with the social detectives. Oh, God. All right, y'all. Have a nice week, everyone. Take care.